Welcome to the Critical Media Studies Podcast. We're your hosts, Mike Rapici and Barry Falk. Hi, Michael. How are you doing today? Hey, Barry. I'm well. How are you? I am doing very well, and I'm excited to be talking with you, as always, and excited to be discussing uh, the work, the recent work of Yanis Varoufakis, the former Minister of Finance for Greece. And this is worth mentioning. He was the former Minister of Finance at the time during the basically the Greek financial crisis. Right. And was one of, I think it's fair to say, one of the only socialists in the room when the G10 got together, when when uh, folks were, uh, when the European finance ministers and heads of state were trying to figure out what to do with uh, Greece defaulting right. uh, in their, with, with uh, the bankruptcy issues in Greece. Um, and so he, and, and then I one more thing to say about Mr. Varoufakis. Since then, he has become something of a celebrity among the left. I think it's important to sort of mark that this, that he's always been on the left politically. Uh, so that's not surprising. He always had a sort of alternative anti-capitalist view, even though he was the former minister of finance. He had a basic, he had a, a basic leftist Marxist slash Marxist critique of the concentration of capital. What's new in his recent work is that more and more he has focused, and in this recent work, um, on techno-feudalism, where he is basically a recent book that introduces this term, and we're going to be talking about it. Um, what's changed is that his economic critique, his left economic critique, uh, he has folded uh, the internet, so to speak, folded digital capital within his account of global capital. So we're going to be talking about that today, I think. Yeah. And um, so I think what we'll do is just give a fairly brief overview of uh, Varoufakis's argument as, uh, you know, regarding the, the tensions between capitalism and techno-feudalism and uh he he basically makes the argument well we'll make the argument and then we're going to pick the argument apart a little bit uh to try and get a sense for how he understands our new uh, reality really and then what he and the new and let me add something the new reality which is also in his argument an old reality well, no, I, I I was going to stick with the new because I think the new reality also constitutes a new mode of production. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah a new mode of production because part of the point, maybe I should say this before we get further and we're going to unpack it and you're going to talk about it directly. But the reason why, at least in left circles, uh, Vera Fox's argument has been controversial is that he's arguing that our new reality is being is constituted by a new mode of production uh that there is, that techno feudalism as he terms it has replaced the capitalist mode of production and there's a lot and th and that's basically been the reason why on the left there's a kind of you know his opinions have been controversial on you know in terms of his uh, brothers and sisters and comrades and colleagues on the left in the sense that 
a socialist critique presumes the reality of and the infrastructure of capitalism. And he's saying, well, I don't want to call this infrastructure and mode of production capitalism anymore. Yeah, one of the things I think that I want to just put on the table before you and I get too deep into the weeds, mm -hmm. he acknowledges this, but I think mm -hmm. it's important. He acknowledges it towards the end of his argument, and I think mm -hmm. we need to really put it on the table up front, mm -hmm. is that there is a very clear tension among terms here mm -hmm. in the sense that... Mm -hmm. There, and he acknowledges there are arguments that maybe techno-feudalism is a different brand of capitalism and that maybe his argument that capitalism is dead is, from a certain perspective, perhaps hyperbolic because we still have capitalist enterprise mm -hmm. active, necessarily. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, in, in a techno-feudalist uh, yeah. So. Yeah. It does get, I think in times, the the argument that he makes, I think it's lucid. I think it's compelling. Um, mm -hmm. But there is a little bit of um, wiggle room among terms, I think. And I think maybe part of, maybe part of our discussion today is going to have to come to grips with the fact that, you know, when we say something is dead, well, it's still alive, but it's dead and we'll we'll get into it. i just wanted to yeah <laughs> i know what you're saying that um and th this i think has something to do with the complexity of marxist theory but there is a weird way in which he's saying at one and the same time this is i take it your 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 point here and it's a great point um that um he had one and the same time is saying capitalism rules everything and right. it's dead Right. So it, that's it, the paradox. It's it, ruling everything. Yes. It, but it's it, rules, it rules everything and it is rendered ineffective. And I think what yeah, sort yeah. of pushed my, my raised a flag for me was we're talking about the difference in the means of production. Uh -huh. Whereas techno feudalism and the sort of authors yeah. of this aren't actually interested in in production at all. Right. Right. And so Right. There are a number of seeming well, there are contradictions, there are tensions here and contradictions that we'll have to pick yeah. out. But I'm glad you 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 brought that out at the first, right? Okay, so with with that as our long-winded preamble, um his argument briefly is that capitalism, as we have traditionally understand it, is over. It has been killed off, and that ironically, it has been killed off by capital. And the idea that, you know, okay, so capital, traditional understandings of capital things, right, has been right. replaced by what he calls cloud capital. And I think right. this becomes right. our first stopping point, right? right? So we no longer have traditional capitalism. It's been killed off. And the replacement is what he calls cloud capital, which is essentially, he calls it, a produced means of behavioral modification, mm -hmm. right? So this, we are still producing, but what we're producing is not a good, not a tangible thing, right? We are now in the behavioral modification business. Mm -hmm. um, and this is cloud capital. So he, he argues the center of this is that cloud capital mm -hmm. uh, performs five roles, he says. Okay. And we can go through them one by one, but I'll just get all five out on the, on the table in front of us, right? So the first 
is that cloud capital grabs our attention. Uh, two, it manufactures desire. Three, that it sells to us the things that satiate us, but that it does so outside of traditional markets. And this is one of his- That's really crucial point. This right. is, and, this, and I think this is the interesting point because this is where his argument about capitalism being over uh, despite the fact that we still see things that we recognize as capitalist enterprise, that, that's that's where they go. So that that cloud capital sells us the very things that it has created for us, but it does so outside of traditional markets. Four, that it drives, he says, it drives proletarian labor inside of the workplace. And then five, and this is, I think, his 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 big one here, right, is that it elicits massive free labor from the population. Right. Cloud right. capital is essentially right. uh, putting us to work for nothing. So um, let's stop there and maybe let's go back and handle them one at a time. Uh, sure. And we can do that. If you don't mind, let me try this, though. Um, I While you're going through the reasons, I, I jotted while you were going through those steps, I jotted down a couple terms. And I was just going to, if I could, unpack them. Yeah, absolutely. And and you'll interrupt me as I unpack them. And especially you'll tell me, and interrupt in a healthy way, I mean, no, you know, right? Um, interrupt, inter interject, that's the word, right? I need it. You're going to interject when, uh, um, you know, if anything is unclear. And also if I skipped one of your steps, right? But I'm going to try when you were going through that, when you were mapping it all out. I thought it might be helpful to add a gloss or two or another term or two to make the steps in this clear to listeners. Okay, so the first one, let's talk about old capitalism before we define cloud capitalism. So I'm just going to give a kind of a kind of tell me if you tell me if this is agreeable to you. Okay, I'm going to go slow here. So, you know, you, you interject, this is going to give you room to interject here. So, because I'm worried that I might leave out important steps. Okay. Capitalism. I'm going to try to do a brace. What, what's the old capital and what did it all look like? Well, uh, just to remind everyone, <laughs> I mean, it's still very much with us as you were saying before, but the old style capitalism, um, you know, that begins really in, well, you know, I'll say the 18th century. It's really going, uh, it's really going full bore in the 19th century, and it continues up to this present day. But uh, in the Marxist terms that I think Varoufakis kind of respects, I think Varoufakis wants to replace the term capitalism, or suggest that that word that Marx used. Um, it isn't the most helpful word to describe, isn't the most helpful in describing the current reality, as you were saying earlier. But he, I think uh, Varoufakis is using Marx's old definition of capitalism, which was this. It was a mode of production that creates things. You had a labor force, right? It's a mode of production. Think of the factory uh, as the sort of spatial incarnation of the main mode of production. And what happens in the factory? Well, there are bosses, but the bosses aren't necessarily on site. What you have is workers. They have to be on site. And, uh, and what happens in the capitalist mode of production? You make things, 
you produce things, you make goods. And what's the, now this is the Marxist critique of capitalism What's and the critique of this mode of production. What was wrong with this? Or uh, according to Marx, there was a structural inequity built into this because what keeps the system going is you have to always underpay the workers. So you need the workers. And in fact, in the factory, Marx makes a lot of this. In the factory, ironically enough, the workers for the first time in human history got to understand themselves as workers. You know, the, I, I'm, I'm this person in this space making things. And that's what I do. That's my identity. Um, but for this tip, but what Marx noted that sort of endemic or baked into the cake is this idea that you, you can't afford for the system to maintain the system. You can't afford to give everybody the wage they deserve. You're going to have to systematically underpay their labor. You require it, but you can't fully remunerate it. So that's the old capitalism. All right, now help me here and say, what's the new capitalism? The big change, the new capitalism, uh, 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 let me add one more thing to it, and then I, I'm going to stop purposely so you can, you know, ask me questions and give me glosses and tell me what I left out. So that's how the old capitalism looked like. What does the new cloud capitalism look like? And what is this dominant form? What is this new form that Vera Farkas says is dominant? I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think we can probably, I think we can probably give our readers, our listeners, I keep on talk, talking about our readers, but our listeners, um, a fair idea of Varoufakis's definition of cloud capitalism. If we just say it's, you know, one exemplar of it is Amazon.com, right? And this, so cloud capital, Amazon.com is not the only manifestation of cloud capitalism, but it's the big one. And it's the one that maybe will be the most lucid to our listeners. So allow me a couple sentences to sort of describe it, because it's also going to hook up to something you said a couple minutes ago, which is this this new form of cloud capitalism is a kind is a mode of behavior modification. So let's think about Amazon.com. Amazon.com, you know perfectly represents the new form of cloud capitalism that Vera Farkas is, you know, identifying. Um, how does Amazon.com work? Well, um, Amazon.com is a digital platform and digital platforms don't work in the ways of the old factory system, the old workings of capitalism. Number one, um, there's the algorithm. Amazon works through an algorithm. And well, the algorithm is there to gain our attention. And the algorithm isn't so much concerned about producing anything as in connecting and doing two things at the same time, connecting us with a product that we can consume and also changing our behavior in this process of grabbing our attention and making us consume. So it's the algorithm that makes cloud capital, cloud capital. And in one at the same time, um, a behavior modification device. I, I think that's that's all right. I think the important distinction that needs there's a couple things that need to be teased out of this. Okay. I think that for for the purposes of this discussion, we can use Amazon as representative of cloud capitalism. All yeah. forms of cloud. Yeah. Capitalism. Right. Right. So 
it's important to know that something like Amazon does not and cannot function without still having a factory that produces things and workers who produce things like capitalism and the machinery of capitalism is still necessary for this to work. The difference is- Yes, indeed, indeed. But 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 what? It, what let me just ask for a clarification in terms. When you say factory, do you mean the Amazon warehouse? No. Amazon no. still needs a warehouse or no, no, what do you mean by that? Because it doesn't, right? Amazon- It does need a warehouse though. So the, the warehouse is necessary in the sense that goods must be stored somewhere. But remember, if you pay attention, a lot of Amazon is ships from place A, ships from place B. Oh, yeah, of course. So you, there is a, I think what I'm saying is it's important because there's still a physical infrastructure that's required. Absolutely. Central, right? Yeah, well, I agree. Central to, to, was to, to, to Marxist capitalism was the factories. Yes. The workers in the factories and the yes. products coming out of the factories. Yes. What's really central to cloud capitalism and you hit on this is the algorithm and that is not a good it is a gate to the goods it is it is the function well that, said the well function said. that unites the buyers and the sellers and so and that's so that's a new that's a production mode with a new motor that's a new motor which you just said is, that's the motor the new motor that's powering the system and if you think about it, just to step outside Amazon for a second to talk mm -hmm. about the pervasiveness of this, right? You certainly see it on Amazon. You see it in all social media. You see it in all dating applications. Who gets access to whom, right? You see it in Twitter, right? What, what feeds do you have access to? Because the scale of information is so overwhelming that in order for anything to function, it has to be in some way filtered. And that is the role of the algorithm. So access to the algorithm and control over the algorithm is the name of the game here. So Absolutely. When we, so when we talk about cloud capital performing the roles, right? Mm -hmm. Grabbing our attention. That mm -hmm. is algorithmically based. He, Absolutely. He or she who controls the algorithm controls which sellers get seen mm -hmm. controls number two manufacturers desires on the on, on on the consumption end of this which things do i see in which order filtered how organized how right it determines the 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 entire vision of what's going on he makes the argument uh that in cloud capital it's, it's the equivalent of you and i walking through the mall together right but your mall is completely different than my mall. And it's privatized. And so yeah. they, there was a way in which, uh, and, and you, you mentioned a really important point, along with the factory, in a sense, the market, the literal market or the shop is also been virtually replaced, been replaced by a virtual space. There's no room for a retail in a weird way, you know, going to, and, and maybe not in such a weird way when you think of bodegas, right? That's a corner shop and everybody knows everybody who's going, you know, you go to the bodega and you're a consumer of, of certain goods, but you also get to recognize who works at the bodega. You probably 
because of bodegas in your neighborhood, you get to know everybody, right? Uh, who who shops at the same place, and you can sort of say, "Oh, that's a that's somebody who must live in my particular neighborhood in New York," right? Um, th that's also been replaced. So, uh, and what what it's been replaced with is something that, in a sense, it's the equivalent of inserting a chip in your head. the The whole process of conception, of buying and selection, has been internalized and placed in your brain. Mm -hmm. It's been evacuated in, uh, from public spaces. Right, right, right. Okay, so in in terms of the the, the roles that cloud capital performs, mm -hmm. desire we've talked about, this third one is really interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, because it sells to us outside of traditional markets that which satiates us and drives us back. So first thing sure. is it's a cyclical thing, right? We right. manufacture desire. We create solutions to that desire. And in doing so, we manufacture more desire. And but this is how it's behavior modification. That, that That's his main example. That's, that's the main also, proof of that. Right. It's, it's, it's That is the modification. But additionally, this is also the engine that drives it. And that's it is a self-perpetuating mm -hmm. machine. But the interesting mm -hmm. thing for me about mm -hmm. this was the argument that this takes place outside of traditional markets. It mm -hmm. is tempting to look at Amazon or eBay, or pick your pick your platform. or Alibaba, and say it's the market. <laughs> it's the market. But his argument is again that the sellers in these places, what we're not talking about profits from the marketplace anymore. We're talking about rents in the market. Right. Which, and that, by the way, and, and go ahead and finish your claim about rent. But I want to take that to the title track, right. which sounds <laughs> which sounds delightfully. Um, contradictory here right like how, how how do you have rent in an open um you know seemingly democratic i, I you know we talked about um morozov last time right and we right. mentioned briefly his, his book the net delusion this is what morozov was talking about this idea that mm -hmm. the internet is democratic mm -hmm. right the, mm -hmm. the the algorithm is not democratic the algorithm will sell to the to he or she who pays the highest rent and that rent is, you know, uh, um, Varoufakis argues up to 40%. Right. Going right. to get you a privileged place in the algorithm. Right, so right. You're right. not in a democratic situation at all here. This is not fair capitalism where the best ideas or the best products are going to rise to the top. And I think that one of the really concerning things here is that this kind of market market model, I want to say, excuse me, mm -hmm. purports from the outside to be open, right? In an open market, the best ideas are going to come through, right? That's sort of one of the, uh, you know, the saving graces of capitalism is it will drive innovation. But if it's algorithmically driven, you can actually fairly effectively suppress innovation mm. by, by limiting access by limiting access, if you don't know, and also in a weird way, it's anti-cap. It literally is anti-capitalism, right? It's a um, it goes against capitalism because capitalism, as Adam Smith thought about it, um, you you want the ultimate amount of sellers, right? The more sellers, the better. The bigger the market, the better. But this is an arbitrary restriction. The algorithm is, in fact, uh, restricting the means of the market, restricting who you get to see and who you get to patronize. Right. And in restricting it, it is creating an increasingly feudal model. As exactly. 
right? right? Because right. what you're doing is now you're just, as, as he says, right? You're driving up the rents. Right. 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 So were you going to add something to that? Or? I, I did want to, I just wanted to add a, a quick footnote to the term that you've been using because it's important. It justifies the title of the piece. You keep on using correctly, uh, sort of a return to a rent system. And that rent seems to be the better way, the better term to use and the better descriptive term for these market exchanges, for these financial exchanges. And that's why instead of saying, so Barifakis notes this, as you're saying, and, it, and instead of saying, this is the reason why, instead of saying, what we now have is digital turbo capitalism, he says, no, we have a digital techno turbo, no, no, get rid of the turbo. We have a techno feudalism because the main characteristic of the feudalist system, the feudalist mode of production, is that it was based on rent. You were renting something and you had to pay up to your overlords. And it was a very simple relation. Interestingly enough, feudalism has its virtues compared to techno-feudalism. Um, until, the, until, the, until the Lord of the Manor came around and said, pay me your rent, you were free to work the land. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you had pretty much control. You were pretty much lord of all you worked on, if not lord of all you surveyed, uh, until until the rent until the rent collector came, you know, to town. Right. Uh, in a way, we're talking about rent again. Hence, he doesn't want to call the Verifacus doesn't want to call this a capitalist system. But in a way, the rent is I don't know more dear. And let me add one more thing to this while we're at it, when we're thinking about the new system of uh, techno-feudalism. And you already were describing it. This is a, a you know, Varoufakis is a very, I think, a pretty sophisticated thinker and pretty sophisticated writer. But there is a way in which, you know, his main idea is something that you and I and everyone probably who's listening to his podcast hears all the time. I'm sure you're familiar, and I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with the this sort of commonplace that everyone says, I've noticed more and more in, in discourses on the internet. Um, you know, the the joke line or the tagline that if you're if you're on the internet and you're not buying something, that means what? You're manufacturing something. You're producing something. I thought that I well, my version of that, uh, the thing I heard is that if you're if you're not buying a product on the internet, you are the product. Oh, I.e., yes, 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 your yes. interchanges are being well, um, farmed out as information. Well, that's, so, that's that's his yeah. argument. Yes, yeah. all right. That you you're you're providing. So you you are you're providing. That's so a, that's another way in which is a feudal system and not a capitalist system. Like you you can't opt out of it, right? Feudalism you couldn't opt out of it. Whereas in, you know in capitalism, the workers eventually form unions and the unions were uh, meant to protect the rights of workers. You don't even have the right, like the only way to opt out of the system of being an information provider, of feeding the matrix with your production and consumption. The only way to opt out of it is to opt out of uh, the entire internet system. Yeah, you right? have to unplug. And, and, this you have to unplug. Is, and this is part of his problem. And this is one of the things I want to discuss is that, you know, what what does resistance look like? Um, but let's so let's I think I think we've already sort of paved the way for the last two. Uh, the okay. Last, he argues that 
uh, cloud capital drives proletarian labor inside the workforce and five elicits massive free labor from us. And so we so just talked, we were just talking about that. Right, right. That we become by engaging in these digital marketplaces by utilizing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about it though, is you can say, well, if I purchase goods through Amazon or Alibaba or eBay or wherever that I am contributing toward the algorithm, I'm, I'm helping to drive or to, to clarify trends and, you know, and then big data runs its numbers and I become one of those numbers. But what's interesting is, and I think what's scary about this is that this exists beyond uh, capitalism. And I think that's part of the argument that this is techno-feudalism, is that this is something different in some way. Mm -hmm. This exists beyond the consumption of goods, right? I don't have to buy a toaster to contribute to the algorithm. Indeed. Um, and, and, and that means your free labor is enlisted even if you're not buying the toaster. Everywhere. It's enlisted when I hop on the internet to go somewhere and cook right. the part where I go. Right. I, you know, our digital, our, our, our digital breadcrumbs, I think is the term for it, right? Um, everything comes back to this because the algorithm is so incredibly sophisticated mm -hmm. that the things you look at become indicative of the things you will buy, which is mm -hmm. factored into everything. So this idea that we are- I, I want to push back on the idea, though, that the the algorithm, I mean, and tell me if I'm wrong, if you think I'm wrong on this, but I want to push it back on the idea that the algorithm is sophisticated. I mean, only in the sense that it's it gets wonderfully predictive. But in a way, the algorithm is blunting and limiting. I mean, you were talking about this before. In a way, it's it's not a, a device that gets smarter, appreciably smarter. It just gets smarter about the the input that you feed into it. I mentioned this because I'm I'm sick in my workplace of hearing this discourse about AI being smarter than human beings. And I'm thinking, you know what? Algorithms aren't that smart yet. Well, no, here's the thing. I think I spoke a little carelessly. It's not a, look, I don't think ones and zeros have an intel, have an inherent intelligence. Yeah, yeah, that, that's all I'm pushing back that's, on. I, I, yeah. What I'm saying yeah. is that the ability to connect inputs across vastly disparate oh and that's incredibly wide-ranging in its reach absolutely so, so absolutely. it's it's, yeah. it's that's really what i meant is yeah that yeah i got it where i go with my cell phone exactly going to somehow impact right. the type of bread that i buy somewhere exactly. because it is it is you know we, we talked about william gibson a while ago right this is pattern recognition mm -hmm. and that mm -hmm. is that is what the algorithm is incredibly good at, mm -hmm. is connecting ones and zeros in such a way as to predict what will be desirable. And then mm -hmm. sell that information to the people who are willing to pay the most for it to put their goods in front of us. That's what you I mean. mean to break your flow. Oh, Carry right. on. I just wanted to do a little a little note there because I, I'm, I'm, I'm increasingly self-conscious about making um the algorithm seemed like a god figure that it's you know it's beyond humanity and you know somehow sort of divine anyway let's move on we'll move on i'm sorry linger for one second because i think that this helps 
clarify uh, Varifakis's concerns. Mm -hmm. Not so much that it's a god figure. Mm -hmm. It is the gigantic steering wheel in the sky to which we are all. Sure, sure. So, you know, he wants us. So that, let, let's, let's, let's pick this up here, right? His argument, essentially, is that the problem, the concern here, is that we have moved away from capitalism mm -hmm. in the sense that cloud capital doesn't produce anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cloud capital feeds and drives this algorithm, which is then for rent, right? And that if you want to succeed in your capitalistic endeavors, mm -hmm. this is the gate you must pass through. As you yeah. or bodega on the corner, cannot produce the kind of traffic to be fit to be financially viable exactly right 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 so, part of the problem is that it has a central location a real limited central location right so the 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 funny thing that i think the the thing that so he wants he's saying look the cloud capital is not trying to produce anything they're not trying to replace the markets they bypass the markets entirely right mm -hmm. and they're not he says they're not even really trying to brainwash us. It's not a question of making you think a certain way. Mm -hmm. It's knowing what you think. Mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. That's way. a great distinction. Right? Great extra point to make. The question here is Varifakis wants change, right? He's basically saying, look, we're producing, we're, we're contributing all of this information and mm -hmm. we're getting nothing, right? And that we're being... Uh, limited right that we don't have mm -hmm. access outside of the algorithm so the question i think i have from this is if he wants us to overthrow this how mm -hmm. you know as we said the most obvious form of resistance but not how what would that mm -hmm. look like because the most obvious form of resistance is to unplug is to go dark mm -hmm. and if you were think about this for a second this is an interesting thing i remember having this conversation quite some time ago if you were to try to remove yourself from the grid, mm -hmm. okay, try and unplug, truly unplug, the light that shines brightest in this situation is the light that doesn't shine at all. You become an instantly visible person by being off the grid. Mm. You create a new mm -hmm. host of problems for yourself entirely. And you. this is not a fight that you can have from the outside, mm -hmm. but I don't understand how it's really possible outside of some sort of legislative action, perhaps, to resist this. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand a way that legislative action would ever be effective given the vast amounts of money mm -hmm. that your, what does he call them, cloudalists, right? are able to... It's a great term, the cloudalists. And cloudalists would be all the people who really are charging rent for us to use, for people to use their their digital platforms. Two questions, and I don't, I don't know that there's... I don't, I don't know that I have an answer to these. But one, how does one resist? Mm -hmm. and two, A and B, what happens if we fail to resist it? Like what, you know, I, I don't. Okay. I don't know. You got a thought on this? How does one resist? I'm jotting down your questions here. How does one resist? And then what was your second? 
What happens if we fail? What happens if we fail? Uh, I'm going to take a pass at this. Do you want to take a pass first, or since you asked me, I'll you'll let I'll take a pass, and then the esteemed Dr. Rapici will take a pass, and maybe uh, maybe we'll we'll close this off. We'll close this off for today, and. I think return to this issue indirectly when we talk about our uh, some of our potential next subjects or uh, topics of interest on Critical Media Studies podcast. Okay, how does one resist? I take your point, and I think he is very, I take your point that individual resistance seems particularly futile, seems like particularly hopeless or weak, um, a weak counterforce to the forces of cloud capitalism or to the cap, uh, the cloudalist. I love that. For, I love that term. So that's why I use it. Um, to the cloudalist that he is, that Varoufakis is drawing attention to. I would say, though, that as a leftist, he's concerned with resistance. And he, at one point, he quotes Marx's injunction where Marx kind of broke with the philosophical tradition and said, you know, the point of philosophy is not to interpret the world, but to change the world. Um, Varoufakis basically aligns himself with that activist strand in Marx and says, you know, I'm drawing, I'm giving you this map, dear reader, in his case, I'm giving you this map because I want you to see what's going on and maybe act differently. Okay, that said, I don't think Varoufakis himself believes that the way forward, or there, there's much to be gained by signing off, you know, by giving up your Netflix or not watching Hulu or things like this. Now, maybe this is the critique. Uh, th this would be my critique of uh, Varoufakis. So I don't think he holds up much hope for individual resistance, a la the Unabomber, who always comes up in our you know, every third episode, we have to mention Ted Kaczynski. So we did that here. We, we've honored our contractual obligations. Um, but I think he very clearly, I, I think you, in your hands, in the, when you were posing the question, Michael, you, I think you use the exact word that he expects to happen. And this would be the problem. I mean, the, the golden word for him. He expects there to be, I mean, whatever the results, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap this up here and try and try and be concise here. I'm getting I'm trying to answer the question of how does one resist? I think Varoufakis's answer is one does not resist, but one gets conscious of the system and one puts pressure on legislatures, legislators to exert a kind of political control on the cloudalists. Now, that I think is both his remedy and perhaps the weakness of Varoufakis. I think what's implied in his system, what's implied in his system, and what's, you know, what's motivating his critique is he wants to lay bare, he wants to lay bare the anatomy, he wants to disclose the anatomy of this new system of control, and he hopes that some political influence or some legislative influence can be brought to bear to curb what the cloudalists do. Because unless you do that, unless you find some way of curbing the ambitions of the cloudalists and of limiting the reign of the hegemony of the algorithm, you you there is nothing to be done. So 
Uh, and how, and you know, I'm going to return to your answer. Uh, what were your point earlier? How likely is that to happen? I mean, I think that's the grim side. That's the grim side of this. I think he does. I think the per, his purpose in laying bare this critique of the current form of capitalism is that he wants to affect a political slash legislative change. Okay. And I'll shut up, I promise, but I'm going to answer um, your other question and I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet. So this is, how does one resist? Um, one, one works for political legislative change more than uh, worries about one's own particular interface with the internet, that it's more important to, ex to vote. It's more important to, um, join a a group that exerts some that can modulate behavior of our political and financial leaders. Okay, that's how one resists. In his, how likely is that? I don't know. Uh, and but a quick answer to what will happen if one does not resist? I think he's very pessimistic. In my reading of it, is that what's going to happen is the perpetual maintenance of this current status quo, and there's no way out of it. So what happens if you don't resist this until our grandchildren, until our grandchildren uh, basically die off or till the earth dies off? Mm -hmm. I think that's the, the grim underside of his argument. See, I'm in, I'll work backwards. What happens if we don't resist? I agree with you. I think the problem is that the algorithm grows more entrenched. Absolutely. And is uh, more empowered, right? More effective. I think that the how to resist is you know we started off by saying hey these terms seem sometimes contradictory couldn't you make the argument that techno feudalism is just a different flavor of oh, capitalism right yeah yeah he's insistent that like look no we need to call this techno feudalism yeah that in and of itself is kind of the significant foothold of resistance. If we continue- Very good. Yeah, very good. I agree. I think he would very much agree with that. This is what he's doing. Because if we continue to call this evolutionary capitalism or some version of capitalism- The late stage of capitalism, right? For you, yeah. An impossible time passing any sort of legislation that is going to fly in the face of capitalist enterprise. That's not gonna happen. But if you can make the argument that what we have is called by a much scarier name, a bad name, and you can make the argument that there are distinct, see, I don't view him at all as being anti-capitalist. I don't think he sees- Yeah, that. right, right, right. Or anti-technology. I don't view him as being anti-technology either. He doesn't want to roll back history in terms of technology. So this isn't an anti-digital argument. I think his argument is that, hey, this right around the time of the economic crisis got kind of slippery and we weren't really watching what people were doing. Right. Right. Somebody, somebody made off. Um, I think his argument is that resistance is that the, the, the key to resistance is in recognizing that this is something different and that this is something- Wonderful, Wonderful. Well, well put, very, that, that is, that that's is very helpful, Mike. So that, that's my take on it. Um, yeah. 
I don't want to add anything to the wonderful insight that you uh, ended with. So I, I, I think I've said my piece, Dr. Rick Beegee. As did I, and I'm grateful that uh, Mr. Barifak has said his. So Barry, shall we, uh, we'll pick this up another time. We'll pick this up another time, but thank you again for a really wonderful discussion of uh, techno-feudalism by Giannis Varoufakis. All right, Barry, take care. Thanks for listening to the Critical Media Studies Podcast. To find out more about the show, check out our webpage at criticalmediastudiespodcast.com.